Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. God, we declare You are the Lord. You're the Lord of our lives. You're the Lord of our families. You're the Lord of our church. We love to speak Your Lordship over our lives. What an honour it is to come into the presence of the Lord and declare His Lordship. Church, this morning, declare His Lordship over your life. His Lordship over your business. Lordship over your health. Lordship over your children. Lordship over our nation. Lordship over everything we do, everywhere we go. Jesus, You are Lord. We honour You in this place. We thank You for Your Lordship. We, we find security in Your Lordship. We find peace in Your Lordship. We, we find security, uh, comfort. We, we, we find the presence of God in Your Lordship. We find protection. We find victory. We can overcome. It's all about Your Lordship. We love the Lordship. We surrender to that Lordship. We pray that in the Name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen, Amen. Can we thank the guys for leading us? Beautiful presence of God this morning. Thank you. Welcome to everybody in person, online. A big shout out this morning to our Elevation family in Mandra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marty and Rach, you are killing it over there. We are so proud of you and all that you're doing in uh, uh, Mandra for God and your family. We just celebrate the great victory. We kind of feel we have a piece of the action here at Hills because don't forget where you came from, buddy, right? This, this was home. We sent you out. So, you know, whatever you do over there, we're kind of claiming a little bit of the win and the victory uh, back here home at at the hill. So great to be with everyone today. Uh, let me open with a question today. In sports, there are spectators and they're players, right? And the question in Christianity, which one are we? So a spectator, they sit in the couch, they relax, you know, they sit back and they critique and they pass judgment on the players. Uh, it's easy, you can kind of non, not committed, you can check in or tune out whenever you want. Whereas a player takes the field. A player sweats, a player works harder, a player practices, a, a player can't choose to leave or, or bail, a, a player's committed. When it comes to Christianity, we're supposed to live it, not watch it. Yet I think the tragedy is, and kind of COVID as a pastor has revealed this to me, uh, we found that there are a lot of Christians who sit back and watch, maybe expect others to do it, a spouse or a family member or the pastor. And so often we can find ourselves being a little bit more of a spectator than we should be as a player when it comes to Christianity. And so that's why we've called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting and Marty as well to engage all of us into God's presence to seek Him so that we can live out the purposes that He has for us. So I'm excited this year as we start off as your pastor, success for me is that you're on the field playing the game of destiny, right? The, the most important thing we can do in our lives is our eternity, our faith. 
And it's something not to be watched, but it's something to be lived out. So I encourage you, jump in, 21 days, we'll continue this until the end of the month. Prayer and fast, seek God and let God move mightily through your life. That's where we find the victory, when we submit to His Lordship, when He works through our lives. Today, we're gonna learn from a teenager. Yeah, you don't think you can learn anything from a teenager, do you? You can learn a lot from this teenager. Uh, 15 years of age, he was. This is 2,600 years ago. And this teenager succeeded without selling out. If ever there was someone who played the game of life well, it's this teenager. And we're gonna learn from him today so we can apply these lessons into our life. Let me give you the context. It was 600 BC. The nation of Israel had fallen into idolatry, immorality and injustice. And you think about those three things, not much has changed today. We have idolatry. What's idolatry? We put something else other than God first in our lives. Um, what's immorality? Where we live a bit loose, right? We, we might sin or have some things that aren't honouring God or injustice where there's prejudice and discrimination. We don't stand up for people's rights. So this had, had kind of gripped the nation of Israel and Nebuchadnezzar was a pagan king. He shows up on the scene and destroyed Jerusalem, killed it, destroyed it, burnt it down. He took 25% of the Israelites back to Babylon and he took them there uh, to Iraq at the time for 70 years. Let's pick up the story, Daniel 1.1. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign of Judah, that's the godly king, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it, besieged it. Have you ever felt besieged by something? Uh, maybe you've been besieged by a bad relationship. It's just not working out and you think, God, help me. Maybe you've been besieged by financial pressure. Maybe you're being besieged by grief, with the loss of a loved one. We go through these times and seasons of being besieged. It's not easy. It's not fun. And this is what Israel was facing. And for me as a pastor, honestly, I feel besieged by COVID. I feel I'm held back. I feel I'm restricted. I feel I'm in lockdown. I feel like I can't do what I wanna do. And so we all go through these seasons of being besieged. The question is, what do we do? in this season where we're feeling besieged. That's how this 15 year old kid, his name is Daniel, felt when Israel was besieged. Let's continue on in verse two. The Lord gave him, that's Nebuchadnezzar, the evil king, a victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple. Have you ever asked why would God give victory to a pagan king. Well, why do bad things happen? Well, why are we besieged? Great questions to ask. I think we all should wrestle with those. In Scripture, God often uses circumstances and even ungodly people to work out His will. We see God used Pharaoh, He used King Cyrus of Persian, Darius of the Mede. He often uses situations and people to get His children's attention. 
In fact, in Hebrews 12, 8, the Bible says God corrects all of His children. And if He doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to Him. But God corrects us for our own good because He wants us to be what? He wants us to be holy as He is. It's never fun to be corrected. Amen to that. In fact, at the time, it's always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. I'm not saying that God causes the besieging and the problems in our life, but I am saying God is a good Father. He's a loving Father and loves us too much to leave us where we're at. God as a loving Father wants to correct His children to take them on to reach their fulfilness and their destiny. And Daniel learned how to respond correctly when he was besieged. So for 60 years, Daniel stood firm in his faith. He actually was promoted to number two in the empire of the Babylonians, which was the most powerful empire of the day. He lived for another 60 years through three different empires and two cultures, the Babylonians and the Persians. The story of Daniel is just, it's mind-blowing. It's better than Star Wars and Lord of the Rings put together. If you haven't read the book of Daniel, I encourage you this week, read it. Because it shows how a young man stood firm. Not only did he succeed, he did it without losing his faith. He did it without selling out. And so we're gonna learn from this great young man named Daniel. How on earth did he do it? How did he win the victory? How did he succeed? How did he overcome? Daniel faced testings. Over and over in his life, you'll see there are testings that he faced. And each time he faced the test, he was promoted. In fact, Rick Warren says it this way, before every blessing, there's a testing. So you may feel you're in a season of testing right now. I certainly do as a pastor with this, trying to work out this thing called COVID. Every testing, if we're obedient, brings the blessing. So I just want to encourage you today on the other side of the besiegement, on the other side of the challenge, on the other side of the testing, there is great blessing that God wants to do. And Daniel's first test that he faced was social pressure. When you're asked to do something, you know you shouldn't do. We can all relate to that, right? Let's pick up the story as we continue in Daniel verse 3. Then the king ordered Aspen, the chief of his staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select strong, healthy and good-looking young men. So Nebuchadnezzar wants the best of the best. He selects them. And for the next three years, they basically want to indoctrinate them with the ways and the culture of Babylon. And the subtle uh, plan of the king was to destroy their identity as Jewish boys. How did they do that? Well, they did that by removing them from their homeland. Uh, they removed them from their parents. 
They remove them from their normal eating habits and their diet. And they remove them by, by giving them new names. And so the whole goal was to destroy Daniel's identity. Did you know that there is a plan of the enemy, his name is Satan, to destroy our identity in Christ? Do we have a fight every day against the culture of this world? Sometimes we forget what's at stake. It's called our eternity. The stakes could not be higher. And we don't realise that there is an enemy, there is this culture that's at war with us being children of God. And we need to wake up every day not realising that there is a bombardment of deception. There is a bombardment of lies which is what the accuser uses to take away our identity. What's our identity? We're Christians. We follow God. He is our Lord. We don't follow the ways of the world or what people think is popular. We follow Christ. And so Daniel was in this time of besiegement. He's taken back to Babylon and they're trying to destroy his faith. Maybe today you're facing a similar environment at work or family members or at home where you feel your values are being bombarded, they're being challenged, that the enemy is trying to rob your identity. It's no different. And so like Daniel, we need to understand we're facing a test every day. We need to understand what the enemy is trying to do and that we can stand and have victory against the worldly ways. That's what we're called today. What Daniel did was he had the ability to keep his faith. He never forgot who he was. He basically said, you can change my name, you know, you can change my homeland, but you're not gonna change what I believe. That's what we have to hang on to, that we believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and to live for Him. Let's continue on verse five. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from their own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years and they would enter the royal service. Actually sounds pretty good. I mean, nice food, you know, nice wine. What's not to like about the wealth, the, the power, uh, the success? In verse eight, Daniel, he's 15 remember, determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to him by the king. What's going on here? David, Daniel says, no, I'm not gonna defile. Defile means to corrupt, to pollute, to contaminate. It's a loss of purity. Daniel drew the line and he said, I'm not gonna lose who I am. I'm not gonna lose my faith. I'm not gonna lose my beliefs. I'm not gonna lose my identity in God. Why did he draw the line with his diet? You know, he didn't argue about his name, which was Baal Bazaar, which means to bow. He didn't argue about leaving uh, Israel or his parents. Why did he draw the line on his diet? It's fascinating because God gave Jews kosher laws, What are kosher laws? These are laws regarding what they eat, the foods they can eat and how they're prepared. Well, why is that? It was a daily reminder that they're different. It was a daily reminder they're set apart. They're not the same as the other nations. It was more of a spiritual laws than they were of of food or, or diet. 
It was more about tradition and following their religion of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that it was about food. And so Daniel draws a line and says, no, I'm gonna make a stand for who I am. I'm a Jewish boy. I'm gonna follow my Jewish God. I'm gonna keep those commandments on the foods I can eat. In fact, Romans 12, 2, Paul says something similar. Don't copy the behaviours and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the way you think. We are supposed to be different. As Christians, we don't go the ways of the world. We don't do the things that the world does. We make a stand based on God's Word, His commandments. We are different. And so Daniel says, okay, I'm gonna make a stand here. I'm not going to throw my faith away and just blend in with the grey mass of mediocrity and do what everyone else is. No, I'm gonna stand firm in my convictions because it's more about my faith than about what I eat. What's fascinating to me, he went on this journey, right, to, to just do vegetables basically and fruit. And it's a 15 year old kid finding a way to keep his faith. Who would have thought 2,600 years ago, we're all doing this Daniel fast, following in his footsteps that he just did to hold himself true to his God. You don't know what God wants to do through you when you follow Him and make a stand for Him. So we're gonna learn from Daniel today. How did he keep his faith? How did he follow his God when in this onslaught of the world trying to rob him of his identity. Uh, there's four disciplines. The first one is this, discipline. Discipline, the first, the first quality that brings the blessing, discipline. Maybe in your life today, you need some discipline when it comes to your faith. Maybe there are some bad habits, there are some addictions, there's some stuff going on in your life. You need to say, uh-uh, I'm gonna say no for the sake of my relationship with Jesus Christ. So Daniel has got no parents around. No one's watching him, right? He could do whatever he wants. And the king gave him all this power and prestige. He was being pampered. He was being, you know, preferential treatment. And Daniel stands up and says, no. Talk about discipline. A young man of 15 says no. I, I you know, worry as a pastor about our church and about our future and how the world onslaughting our teenagers and the next generation through screens and social media. And it's just a constant bombardment. Yet Daniel showed something quite simple and powerful. It's discipline. Romans 6, 12 says, does that mean you must, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected to that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. What's, what's Paul saying here in Romans? Throw yourselves wholeheartedly 
into God's ways of doing things. Bring some discipline into your life because there may be some things you need to say no to. Although you'd like to do them, it may not be the best for your faith. It may not be the best for your relationship with God. Maybe there's some habits as we're seeking God over these 21 days and God's kind of getting your attention. He's like that loving Father bringing a bit of correction. Maybe you need to pull back from what you're watching, slow down on what you're doing. Maybe you need to make some adjustments into your lifestyle. It's this thing called discipline. That's what Daniel brought into his world to keep his heart right with God. I I, I know for me, I I have to be very wary of what I watch and and, and how often I'm, you know, online and the movies that I see. So easily we can get sucked into doing what everyone else is doing. Yet it's discipline that causes us to make a stand and to say no, so we can say yes to being all that God has for us. I know it's a bit of a tough message this morning. I know it's a, it's a bit challenging, but I do that because like God is that loving Father, I want you to win, I want you to succeed and I want you to know there is a war for your soul. There is a fight and discipline is a way that we can continue to keep our faith. That's what what Daniel did. What else did Daniel do? Well, number one, he showed discipline. The second quality Daniel showed was courage. Courage. When you look at your life, is there enough evidence to convict you in a court of law that you're a Christian? It's a good question. I, I heard that years ago. And I wonder, is there enough courage in our life to stand up and do things differently? I remember being in the building industry uh, in my young adult years and I made a decision, I'm not going to drink. And I think I made that decision based on I wanted to do what was right before God, but I wanted to separate myself. And we would, every afternoon, the boys would drink heavy and I'd just sit there with my lemonade and they would laugh at me. They would make fun of me. And it was a way that I could have courage to say, I'm not gonna do the things the world does. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with alcohol, but what I am saying is we need the courage to stand up so that people can see that we're different. Daniel 8 goes on. He asked the chief of staff permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. At 15, he stands up against the chief of staff. You know, one of the most powerful people in this empire has courage. It takes courage to stand up for your beliefs. It takes courage to go against the flow. Exodus 23.2 says, don't go along with the crowd in doing evil and don't mess up your testimony in a case just to please the crowd. How many times do we make decisions to please the crowd? How many times do we remain silent How many times do we not stand up for someone who hasn't got a voice? Yet God is calling us to be salt and light, that we would stand and be courageous, 
that we would speak up for those who don't have a voice. That if we see someone being bullied, we would step in for them. If we see someone struggling, we would speak on their behalf. That if something is, is compromising our values, we would stand up and say, no, that's not easy. That takes courage. But courage is what helps us win the victory. And so often we think, I don't want to be rude. You know, I don't want to be obnoxious. You know, I I, I don't want to be too zealous. And I'm not saying you have to be any of those things, but God is calling us as a people to be courageous. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. These are military terms. You know, Christianity is not this passive thing that we just watch and and just get rolled over and steamrolled and treated like a doormat. No, no, no. There is this element of Christianity where we fight for what is right. We stand up for what God is asking us to do. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. To be courageous, you need to know what you stand for. As followers of Christ, we stand for our God. And that's exactly what Daniel did. He showed discipline, he showed courage. And the next behaviour that brought the blessing was he showed humility. David humbly asked the chief of staff permission. He didn't demand or protest or post or be arrogant. He showed respect to authority, even though it was ungodly authority, and asked permission. The chief of staff initially, when Daniel asked, said, mate, if I allow this to happen, the king's gonna have my head. You know, I'm gonna get killed. And so Daniel does something marvellous. This may be one of the best conflict resolution lessons we can ever find. If you wanna work through conflict in your marriage or your children or at work, which we all are gonna have conflict, read what Daniel did. He comes in humility and presents a proposal that brings a solution where both parties win. Let's have a look in Daniel 12. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, at the end of the 10 days, see how we look and compare us with the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, David and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the other men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the king's food and wine provided for others. Maybe like Daniel, you need to ask humbly permission from your boss or a family member or a spouse or your children. You need to ask permission to do something that's gonna benefit your family that's gonna benefit your relationship with Christ, that's gonna help you become the man or woman that God has for you. So often we don't ask and we don't get. The Bible says to ask of God and He'll give. I wonder how often we need to just say to our boss, hey, would it be okay if I cut back on this time, but added the other time over here so you actually get more out of me, but this will allow me to spiritually lead my family? 
Or maybe you need to ask your spouse, hey, can we have permission as a family to do something different? Let's maybe, uh, we can do a study together or a Bible verse. Bonnie's got this down pat. She comes to me and she says, hey babe, how about we have some time with our kids, leading them down uh, the path of righteousness and sharing a message. Or how about we, when you come with a solution and you ask humbly with permission, you'll be amazed at the doors that'll open. Daniel asked permission from this ungodly chief of staff and he said, yes. I wonder if there's something in your life this year as you start in your business or your home that you need to humbly ask permission to make an adjustment that's gonna help you have the victory in following Christ. What did Daniel do? Daniel showed discipline as a 15-year-old. He showed courage to stand up. He showed humility by asking. And finally, Daniel excelled, excelled. Verse 18, when the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar and the king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel and his mates. Be the best at what you do. Be the best at what you do. That's what Daniel did. Daniel said, I'm just gonna be the best at whatever is in front of me. Be the best at what you do. Uh, Whatever challenges you face, be the best at what you do. Excel, excel, excel. Uh, Whether you're a student, you know, going through school, excel. Be the best student you can be. If you're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, be the best at where you're at. Whether you're a banker or you're a lawyer or you're a lawnmower or a truck driver, be the best. You know, Christians should be the hardest workers. They should be the most loyal, most faithful. They should be the most committed. They should be praying for their companies. They should be the best. Whenever I drop my boys off at Macca's, I'm saying, make some money today for Ronald. That's your job. Make Ronald look good today. Be the best. Make that best burger to put those three pictures spread them out, don't put them all on each other, give a little extra ketchup, be the best. Be the best at what you do. Why do we be the best? Because the Bible says when we're at the best, we have the most influence. So Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 says, do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. So Daniel worked out, firstly, he wanted to keep his faith and his identity in Christ. That's why he showed discipline and that's why he had courage and that's why he showed humility. But then he realised, not only is my faith for myself, but I need to be able to stand out to benefit others. I need to use my influence for the Kingdom of God. How much influence do you think Daniel had in the later years when he was number two to King Nebuchadnezzar? And so when you do the best, be the best. I I say to my children all the time, be the best at whatever you do. Be the best. It'll bring you before kings. It'll bring you influence. Why? So you can influence others for, 
for the kingdom of God. The Christians, we should have the best name in the marketplace. When you go for an interview and on your CV, you sing a Christian and a boss reads that, they should say, I don't know what you guys are all about. I know you're weird and you do this money thing. You give it to that place. I don't stupid. I don't get it. And you do the happy clappy and you're all weird. But all I know is I hear you the best workers. I hear you never take my time to get on social media. I hear you're the first at work. I hear you're the last to leave. I hear you're diligent. I hear you work harder. I want to hire the Christians because they're the best of the best. That's how we should be known. So then we can have the most influence in our world today as we look at this life of Daniel. What is God challenging you? I know this is a bit of a tough message and I want to bring a bit of heat right now. Maybe God's challenging you in the area of discipline. Some decisions, some behaviours aren't honouring God. It's time to say no. It's time to shut it down. Uh, Maybe in the area of courage, you need to stand up. You need to speak out. You, you, You need to ask permission. You're not there just to be taken advantage of. You're not there just to receive whatever comes your way. You're a child of God. You're the apple of His eye. Maybe it's time to stand up and humbly ask permission to do something. Maybe you need to excel wherever you're at. You're not happy about it, but God's got you there. So be the best at whatever you're at. I wonder, is God challenging you with discipline or courage or humility or excelling? Let let, let God stir you today. As the musicians come and we close, I'll finish with this. How on earth did a 15-year-old kid do this? How did he make this stand and do things differently and not lose his faith? How did he do it? The answer is, he walked with God. He knew God. God's presence was in his life. He held on to the promises in his heart. He was 15 and he'd grown up hearing the promises from Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that had been passed down. He heard about his God was greater than any other God. He had the power of the Spirit. He had people around him. He had God working, God protecting him. And so do we. We have Jesus Christ in our hearts. We, we have a church or a gathering of people that can hold us accountable. We have the promises of God's Word, over 6,000 promises that we can hang on to. We have the Spirit of God inside of us. As my son recently received a scholarship to play football in America at Michigan in a college, I know he'll be a successful young man. He's very gifted and very talented. But my prayer is he'll be a Daniel. My prayer is you'll be a Daniel. My prayer above everything else, you'll stand up for your faith, that you'll be the salt and the light. My prayer is that through COVID, we'll come out stronger. Our faith will be deeper that we'll be more engaged in the presence of God. We'll, We'll be more focused on seeking Him, more focused on pleasing Him, more focused on His Lordship in our life. My prayer is for that, 
next generation that's coming behind us, our children, our grandchildren, that they're living in a world that wants to rob, kill and destroy. But like Daniel, we can stand. Not just stand, but we can have victory. We can overcome. We can flourish. Why? Because we have Jesus in us. Father, I pray today by the power of Your Spirit, You would challenge us to see Daniel as a great example of a man who stood firm and saw the victory, that we too can learn and stand for our faith and see You move in our lives. To be a Daniel, which we can all do, starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes into your life, He forgives you and changes you. And that starts a relationship with Him. And maybe you're far from God today. You haven't been living for Him. It's not about doing things right. It's about surrendering to His Lordship. And today you want Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Saviour. Whether you're online, here in person, wherever you are. I pray today you would make that decision. And if that's you, Would you say yes to Him? Would you say yes to Him? Wherever you are, say yes to Him. Say, Jesus, be my Lord. Would you say that today? Would you call on His Name? The Bible says you will be saved. I'm gonna say a prayer and I ask you to pray with me. And this is for those who want Jesus to be their Lord and their Saviour. We'll make this call every service at Elevation because we're so passionate to see people become Daniels have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not just for this life, but for eternity. Let's all pray. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Saviour. Forgive me of my sins. I wanna stand for You and follow You all the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' Name.